0: Listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw.
1: To the show. This is the Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast, the Guitar Repair Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Daw. You can visit the show at fretfiles.com. That's the best way to listen to the show. And you can also visit me online at ericdaw.com. E R I C D A W.com. If you want to submit questions or comments for the show, I'll use them as part of the show. That's where you go, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link and you can send your question or comment. There. The other way to do it is by telephone, 757 774 8482. You can also text that phone number. And, uh, but if you call that number, you can leave a message. I'll use your call as part of the show. Welcome to the show. It's here it is. It's August, and we're doing July's show. I'm sorry. What can I say? This is my lovely co host and wife, Melissa. Hi, hi, Melissa Hi, uh you know i i I keep wanting to take this podcast to a more frequent uh,
2: level level
1: frequent frequency yes, but the fact that we can't get one done per month is kind of foreboding we get one done per month, but we just don't we just barely get barely. it Barely, yeah. Melissa wants to start a gardening podcast. Yeah. And my fear is that she's going to need an engineer. Yeah. Because there's the whole podcast part of it where you talk talk into the computer that that's what I do.
2: And that I don't know anything about it. <clears throat> yeah. I, for this podcast, all I do is sit down and read the questions he gives me.
1: And she does a dang good job. Thank you. Doesn't she?
2: I learned how to read in public school. And I want to thank all of my teachers. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, you know, I um, wanted to start taking calls first, right? So, and we have a call to take. So, let's take a call, shall
2: we? Sweet. Yes.
3: Hi, doing, Eric. <clears throat> first time calling. Uh, enjoy the show. Um, I wanted to ask you. I, I play a telly too. Got a Mexican telly with some uh, up to spec traditional tele-pickups in there. I'm driving right now. that's have good he has the GPS. Um, anyway, um, I was wondering about <clears throat> getting a second output in, uh, mostly for the purpose of the recording, and I was just curious what your thoughts were on piezo pickup. And I, By the way, is it piezo or piazzo? I always hear them in different ways. Um, but as far as putting a second output, if that would affect the tone on the bridge and neck pickup, which I love, and I wouldn't want to mess with that. <clears throat> so kind of curious about that. Uh, Sub question, is there a way to put the bridge pickup and blend it with the piezo pickup for that second output? So you could kind of adjust and blend in that bridge pickup, which is a thinner sound. With the acoustic sound they pick up, and just what's your general thoughts about piezo pickup? Thank you.
1: Great, yeah, thanks for the call. Um, You know, I've heard it said all kinds of ways. I say piezo. Uh, I have a few friends down south that say piezo, (laughs) like it's some kind of new flavor of pie. Y'all got any of them piezo pickups?
2: That sounds like a cross between pizza and pie.
1: Piezo. I'll take a pepperoni piezo.
2: Sounds awesome.
1: Uh, I, so I say piezo, you say piezo. Let's call the whole thing off. Right. That's, that's a joke for those of you born in the (laughs) twenties. Uh, so do you, you want to put a second output on your telly with a piezo pickup? Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan, especially if you're going to do it just for the purposes of recording. Uh, they don't really have a very acoustic tone they just kind of they have this inherent kind of quacky tone that um i'm not a huge fan of you know if you think of acoustic guitar pickups and what they sounded like in like the 70s and 80s like like an ovation uh you know the quacky piezo acoustic tone uh, I don't know, so I'm not the biggest fan, but it can be done, it it can totally be done, and it would give you definitely a broader palette of tones on that guitar. Um, if you wanted to, you could you could blend it all together in the same output, but um, if you wanted to put it onto two different outputs, it's probably a better way to do it because, uh, they have different impedance um, requirements. Your your normal tele pickups uh, would use a different value of potentiometer than the piezo pickup generally would. So uh, you to do two outputs would probably be the way to do it, and then you could blend them externally if you wanted to blend them. And probably the simplest way to do it is to get something... There's They make saddles that have built-in piezo elements. I don't know. I, I'm telling you, you can do it, but it's also a big mess. Uh, it's really not an elegant thing. And it's I I'm a big fan of simplicity, and that's what draws me to the Telecaster. And to put uh, piezo electric saddles on there is is just a slight bit distasteful to me, if I may be so blunt. But <clears throat> I'm sure there's other ways to do it. I've thought for a long time about putting a uh, you know B band makes a great little electret strip that's, like, basically just a thin little contact mic that... (laughs) Can you hear my son singing in the background? He's in his crib singing. It's a little bit distracting. Anyway, B-Band makes a little strip of electret material that you can stick onto the bridge pad of an acoustic guitar, and I've thought for a long time, what would it sound like if you stuck that onto the bass plate of a Telecaster, the underside of the bridge plate, you know, the underside of the bridge, uh, and then wired that up to the jack. That might be cool. Anyway, so there's a number of ways to do it, but again, like I say, there's really not an elegant way to do it, and you'll probably end up with less than stellar acoustic-sounding tone uh, in doing so. So it might be all for naught if you're really looking for a good tone out of that piezo element. But thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. And uh, with that, I think that's our only call so we will go to some uh, some emails. Melissa, take it away.
2: Hi, I just came across your podcast. I wanted to say thanks for putting it up and keeping up the good work. I am looking forward to future episodes. I don't have a question but more of a comment. I appreciate your perspective as a full-time professional luthier supporting a family. Best regards, Michael Bashkin. And we're going to give him a little plug here. It's www.bashkinguitars.com, And he is in Fort Collins, Colorado.
1: That's the way to do it. Man, if you want to plug, and if you want to reach a lot of uh, people that are interested in guitar and guitar-related and guitar-building things...
2: All you got to do is give All us you gotta a compliment
1: do is, is give us a shout out. I checked out Michael's website, bashkinguitars.com. He's he makes nice acoustic guitars.
2: Cool. Yeah,
1: he's in Fort Collins, Colorado. I, if I'm over that way, I'm going to look him up and ask if I can swing by. Sweet. Yeah, he makes nice guitars. Check him out. Great. Thanks for the note, Michael. And with that, we'll go to the next question.
2: Hey, Eric, Chad Gerby. That's correct. Gerb. Gerby. Gerby. Chad Gerby here at Music in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hope you and your family are doing well. I wanted to know if you could fill us in on your finish repair process for a headstock break. Once you have the break itself fixed, how do you blend it in with the rest of the finish? Do you find nitro finishes are more difficult to repair than other kinds? Also, what is your favorite beer? Mm. Kind regards, Chad Gerby.
1: Thanks, Chad. Um, it de- on the on the uh, headstock breaks. It depends on the guitar. It depends on the color. It depends on the kind of finish that they've used, and it depends on how bad the break is. Uh, you know, I've definitely done a few where you had to sand the, the, a whole bunch of paint off and refinish the whole area. But generally, if it's a minor break, um, if it's a polyurethane finish. The easiest thing to do, especially if we're talking about a black finish or a natural finish, uh, the easiest and uh, best-looking way I've found to do it is with plain old super glue. Wow. Build up super glue along the break and then shave it down with a razor blade.
2: Just till it matches?
1: Until until it's all flush. And then you lightly sand and polish it out, and it looks great. Wow. Especially black. Black is easy, and Stuart McDonald makes black super glue, which is super handy. I use it all the time for finish touch up. Cool. Yeah, uh, but it depends on the color. I mean, if it's a white, good luck, man. <laughs> That's the worst. If somebody's got a white guitar with a headstock break, <laughs> good luck ever making that look right. Uh, nitro, you can drop fill with. With more nitro, it's hard to match colors. Again, you know, it's kind of the same process as the super glue drop fill technique, but it's uh, uh, it it takes longer to dry, and it, depending on the color, it's real hard to match colors. Like I say, but uh, that's my different processes. I'll either use I'll either use lacquer or super glue. Uh, and occasionally, I break out my burn-in sticks. I have lacquer burn-in sticks. That are, it's a real '70s way to repair uh, finish, but it's made by Mohawk <laughs> or Balin, and they're they're called lacquer burn-in sticks. If you've never seen those, look look them up. They're kind of crazy. It's different. Uh, it's like a tray of all different kinds of colors of lacquer, and then you can melt it in with this. It looks like a soldering iron with a giant wedge on the end, and you melt the lacquer. It's a, a like a like, stick of lacquer. It's it like looks a like crayon a crayon of lacquer. Yeah, like a, but it's kind of a rectangle, and you melt it into the finish, and you can just kind of
2: spackle
1: it, it into <laughs> the into the into the crevices, and then uh, once it once it cools, then it's hard like the surrounding finish. And if you if you match the color up right, they work really well. Huh. But it's tricky because you can, you can burn the surrounding finish mm. with that big, crazy wedge that you use. It's a weird way to do it, but I've been doing it for a long time. And sometimes just the right repair calls for it, you know?
3: Mm.
1: So it's nice to have an alternative method. Anyway, thanks for the question, Chad. Oh, he says, what is your favorite beer? Well, that is very important. I'm not much of a beer drinker, but I do have two or three occasionally. Probably my favorite is Beck's. Hmm. There you go. I yeah. also I also enjoy a Red Hook ESB. And if I'm extremely poor at the time, I'll drink Rolling Rock.
2: It's a family favorite. It's cheap. Cool. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Hey, y'all. Thanks for the great podcast. It's a gem. You two are gems. Thanks. Gee whiz. I've got a double O style Martin acoustic that I use a headstock strap tie on. Have never used this as all my other acoustics and electrics I've played over the years have two strap buttons, not just the one on the lower body like this, Martin. It feels really comfortable to me and I quite like it. Anyway, here's my question. Is it bad for the headstock, neck, etc. to be pulling weight there? Should I have another strap button installed? Could I do this on my Gibson Electric and not affect the fragile headstocks? Bad idea or good idea? As with 90% of guitar questions, is this purely subjective or is there any objective results of neckwear and warp over time? Thanks, y'all. Hope the baby is doing well. Corey.
1: Thanks, Corey. We have two babies. But that's none of your concern. You're asking questions about guitars.
2: Well, we have one baby and one toddler. Well, that's That's true. That's forgivable.
1: That's true. Yeah, I still think of of the two-year-old as a baby, but I suppose he's a toddler. Uh, what was his question? Oh, yeah, so the old school strap where it ties around the headstock. Oh, yeah. I hear people getting concerned about this from time to time. Like, is it, it's putting too much tension on the neck? Is it okay? I really think it's okay. You know, the strings and the truss rod are putting tension on the neck. Uh... I think in far in excess of what you're putting by having a strap around the headstock. So I would not worry about it at all. Not a big deal. It what it will do though is wear the finish around the uh around the headstock there. I see old guitars come in that have had a, a headstock strap for a long long time and the finish is pretty much just worn away over time. So that's a consideration if you care about the finish up there. Um it's funny to me that acoustic guitars generally don't come with strap buttons installed on the on the neck heel. It's just a tr- a traditional thing, I guess. They guitar manufacturers just assume that you're going to use you're either going to sit down, or that you're going to use a headstock strap. So I install uh, a strap button. I install strap buttons on uh, acoustic guitars all the time on the neck heel, and that's definitely a good solution. I like the way they sit better when when you've got a strap button on the heel. He didn't say what year his guitar is. If it's from the 40s, don't do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you've got a if you've got a vintage old guitar that you're tempted to drill a hole in, I don't know. I try to steer people away from that, but hey, it's your guitar. Do what you want. Uh, he also asks, could I also do this on my Gibson Electric and not affect the fragile headstocks? I don't know why you'd want to. They, that, that's so awkward to have the strap around the headstock. But, you know, if you want to, again, I don't think you're going to damage anything.
2: He says he really likes it.
1: Other than the finish. Yeah, I guess, I, you know, hey, to each his own. If you really like that, um, you know, go for it. But, uh. I don't know it gets in my way when i'm when i when I go down there and play an e chord. I guess that's just me, yeah, Corey likes it. Knock yourself out, Cory. I don't think you're gonna hurt anything
2: cool, Eric. I'm a smaller guy and love the feel of smaller guitars in the realm of the smaller style fenders. I don't know much, maybe a small history crash crash course on some of these models. Wondering what your thoughts are on some of the smaller-bodied Fender models, i.e. Mustang Bronco Musiccaster?
1: Music Master.
2: Music Master. Thank you. Any good or bad experiences with these guitars? Anything in particular to look for as as seeking out used ones? As far as seeking out used ones? Thanks for any feedback. The show is such a treasure.
1: Right on. Thanks for the question. Uh small history crash course on the short scale fenders well i really don't have much to say other than they're uh they were originally intended as student models you know mustang bronco music master so they're smaller scale they're meant kind of as student models but you know that that's not to denigrate them uh nowadays You know, you just call something a student model, and it makes it sound like a piece of crap, right? (laughs) But uh, in the 50s and 60s, a student model guitar, you'd have to spend over a grand to get that kind of quality now in a new guitar. They really were built to a higher standard. So um, they just were building smaller guitars for smaller hands. Yeah. So they're a smaller scale, right? So from the nut to the bridge they're smaller in scale than than a, a stratocaster or a telecaster and consequently they work better with heavier strings so um, that would be my first recommendation would be if you're going to if you're going to use a, a mustang or a bronco or a music master or any of the short scale guitars i'd use at least 11s uh, so that you, you can get kind of the proper tension 11s on a Mustang will feel about the same as tens on a, on a full-size Stratocaster or something like that, um. Because with tens or especially with nines, the strings are so loose, on that small of a scale that they're just springy and they, they don't get, yeah, they don't get very good tone, with small strings, with a smaller scale. So use heavier strings. Um. What else can I tell you? He says anything in particular to look for as far as seeking out used ones. Nothing that is particular to those guitars, just like any used guitar. You want to look at the frets, see if they're worn, look at the neck, see if it's straight, you know, make sure the electronics work. Basic things like that, make sure the tuners are still tight. Um, Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing out of the ordinary that pertains to those guitars, but thanks for the question.
2: Eric, love the show, A+. Very grateful. Anyone you know of who does a show of this detail and caliber with amps, I would love to hear someone with your kind of expertise and knowledge on amplifiers. I get it. You don't do amps. Know of anyone with a podcast or blog or something that does? Who do you seek or trust for amp knowledge? Thanks for any help, man.
1: Cool. Um... I don't know of any podcasts that discuss amps. If any listener out there knows of a great podcast about amps, send it in and we'll pass it along to everybody else. And I'd like to know as well. I'd probably listen, but I'm imagining that it might be a little bit dry. You know, because amps really, amps aren't as tactile as a guitar. You know, with the guitar, you hold the guitar. It has a, it has a, It it has a real connection to your hands. There's subtle things like action, and um, they're they're just different than amps. An amp sits on the ground, and you you turn the knob, and then that's it. You don't hold it. You don't caress it. You don't polish it. You don't tune it. You know what I mean? It's a different kind of a thing, and the guts of amps, frankly, are a little bit boring. We're talking about, uh, you know diodes and cathodes and transformers and speakers, right? I don't know. It's not quite as romantic to me as, as guitar-related things, guitar repair. But the right guy, I'm imagining the right guy could make it really, really interesting and might make a, it might make a great podcast. Plus, you know, it'd, it'd be great to learn more about amp tech stuff. I'll admit, uh, I really don't know much about uh, amp tech stuff. I'm, I'm strictly a guitar tech, so if anybody knows of a good podcast like that, then uh, pass it along, because I don't know of, of any. But uh, as far as who I use <clears throat> uh, when I have amp questions, my local amp tech here in Seattle, his name is Brent. Brent Bagby, and his business is called Solder House. I, I think it's just com. S-O-L-D-E-R-H-A-U-S.com. And he's my amp tech, and he does a great job. He's really knowledgeable and specializes only in tube stuff. He won't even mess around with transistors, with Mm. solid-state stuff. Yeah, he only does tube stuff, specifically vintage tube stuff. If you really twist his arm, he'll work on a modern PV tube amp or something like that, but he doesn't like to... He's specifically a vintage tube amp specialist, so check him out. Brent Bagby, solderhouse.com. With that, let's take a little break, shall we? I say, shall we?
2: Oh, sure.
1: Yes, okay, we'll be right back.
0: Hi, podcast fans. Jay Boone from Emerald City Guitars here. We've been down here in Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle for 20 years, and a lot of things have changed. One thing hasn't changed, though. We still have a great selection of used and vintage guitars and amps. Now, that's not all we do now here. We also have a great service department, a great staff that's very knowledgeable, and tons of accessories and effects and just about everything you'd need if you're a guitar player. So we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year, and we're doing all kinds of wonderful things, including giving folks great service, great deals, and shipping around the world. Visit our website at emeraldcityguitars.com. And you can see our entire selection of guitars and amps that we have on our floor at any time. We want to thank you guys for all the great years that you've shopped at our store. And that goes for all the folks, not only in the Northwest, but around the country and around the world. Emerald City Guitars, your best source for vintage guitars and amps.
1: I don't only repair guitars, right? I also build guitars and they're called Pinup Custom Guitars. You can check them out online at pinupcustomguitars.com That's P-I-N-U-P customguitars.com And uh, I've been putting off making a commercial for so long because it's just it's... I don't know. What good would it be for me to tell you about them because obviously I think they're great I make them. Obviously, I think they're the best. I make them. So I decided what I would do would be uh, to put out the call uh, for some owners of some of my guitars to uh, tell you what they think. And uh, so that's what I've done. So I'll, I'll, I'll let some of the owners of my guitars tell you about them. Hey, this is Darren Jones from Jones & Fisher.
3: Hello, this is Scott Marshall Watson calling just wanted to let everyone know how much I love my pinup guitar. Eric Dawes, pinup custom guitars. Can't say enough good things about
0: them. It's the closest thing that I've personally found to being anything like a, a real vintage 50s Telecaster style guitar. My name is Jay Boone. I am an owner of two pinup guitars. Eric makes guitars that remind me of the, the real vintage style guitars, and that's what appeals to me. It makes me personally a better player. A very vintage. Sounding instrument, very light and resonant, and I use it all the time. I play with it regularly. Uh, I love the feel of the neck. It's a fat 50 style neck. This is Joshua Delagara.
3: This guitar makes all other guitars that I've owned personally feel like toys in comparison. I love the guitar. It's my uh, my main rig when I'm out on the road.
0: I I ended up buying two of them and I, I use them both on a regular basis. And I tell you what, if I have the money, I'd own ten of them. Thank you,
3: Eric. I appreciate the eagle eye for
0: quality and, and uh, attention to detail. I'm a big fan. Way to go, Eric. Great
3: job, Eric. I really appreciate it. Check one out for yourself.
1: Well, there you have it. And if you've been wondering what my guitars sound like, you've been listening to them all along. Uh, that last song was was uh, Darren Jones. Jones and Fisher using his pinup. And all the other music is me using my guitars. And uh, I just, you know... the These guitars are what I call vintage-style recreations of famous 50s guitars. I don't make Telecasters. I don't make Stratocasters. Only Fender makes those. These are tributes to those guitars. And uh, Telecaster, Stratocaster, those are registered trademarks, obviously, of the Fender Music Instrument Corporation. You know, I don't know if you know this, but my wife makes incredible leather goods, specifically guitar straps. She makes hand-tooled, amazing guitar straps, and she's sitting right here looking embarrassed.
2: Thank you for saying that they're beautiful. And um, if you want to check out my guitar straps, you can head over to melcoleather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O, leather.com. And that will direct you straight to my Etsy site, where, if you so wish, you can purchase and receive a beautiful, handmade, made-to-order guitar strap from
1: yours truly. Do you take custom orders? I do. They're beautiful. You have to see them. MelcoLeather.com. Right? Right. Uh, As I make guitars, you know, we share a shop. In the backyard there As I'm making guitars She's sitting in the other corner Making straps And I see her make these Straps She's so meticulous And so gifted And Thanks You're such a craftsman Craftswoman You're such a Crafty Person You're so crafty (laughs) Uh, Really high quality Leather Handmade leather Guitar straps Check them out MelcoLeather.com.
2: Hey Eric and Mel, I am a trained cabinet maker and I have always harbored a desire to build a guitar. I recently built a cigar box one and that has only made the urge to get building that much stronger. Do you have any advice for someone just starting out? Good books, essential tools, hard-earned wisdom? The whole process can seem a bit daunting. Thanks for the awesome show. Jake in Lethbridge, Alberta.
1: Alberta, Canada, eh? Uh, thanks, Jake. I, uh, you know, I, I've answered similar questions in the past and had a whole slew of books that I recommend, so if you, uh, it, it might be helpful to listen to the last several podcasts, because I talked about a lot of that kind of stuff, but I'll briefly touch on it, um, Dan Erlewine wrote a book called The Guitar Player Repair Guide, that's a great one, but he's, he's more talking about building guitars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a book to recommend. I do. I, I'm gonna go grab it. Melissa's gonna entertain you momentarily. Here we go.
2: <laughs> and here's Eric.
1: Clearly, you're you're really gonna go far in the radio business. <laughs> You know, filibustering is tough to do. I mean, when somebody just leaves you hanging like that, that's really some skill. Okay. Jonathan Kincaid wrote a book that I bought a while ago, and it's really, I mean, I've only thumbed through it, but I tell you, it's amazing.
2: Is he the guitar player of light?
1: No, that's, you're thinking of the Kincaid, the the painter. Oh. The painter of light. Oh, This is Jonathan Kincaid. Kincaid, K-I-N-K-E-A-D, and it's called Build Your Own Acoustic Guitar. Complete instructions and full-size plans. In the back, there's blueprints that fold out, you know, they're in an envelope, an envelope, if you're in envelope territory. (laughs) And the... Uh, it's really thorough, really amazing. He talks about all different kinds of methods and techniques of building your own guitar. And I can't wait to kind of get more into this book, because the more I thumb through it, the more I... the more I like it. Um, so check that out. That's a great one. Build Your Own Acoustic Guitar. Jonathan Kincaid. Uh, Hal Leonard is the publisher. And I'm sure you can find that on Amazon. And, uh... You know, whatever else you're whatever your Barnes and Noble your or your local bookseller. Yeah, thanks for the question, Jake.
2: Any hard earned wisdom to give him?
1: Not that I'm uh not that I'm harboring at the moment. Uh yeah. You know, it's people ask me all the time, they say, Eric, I'm thinking about getting into the guitar repair or the guitar building business, and I say don't yeah <laughs> just don't okay, no, I'm kidding it's but you know look if you're if if your hope is to make a living at this, <clears throat> it is a hard road, i gotta tell you it's a hard road, and I know a lot I know a lot of guitar techs and a lot of guitar builders, and I would say about twenty percent of them really make a good living, and the rest are struggling. That's just the truth, anyway, with that depressing note. I, you know, Jake is, I think, just asking because he's.
2: Yeah, I think it's a hobby thing for him.
1: Not to be a downer. Anyway, next
2: question. Okay. Hey, guys, great show. I'm brand new to the podcast, and I had a question about pickup winders. I'm a self-taught player and repairman, and I want to start winding my own pickups. I love modding, and am not looking to make a career out of it at this point, but I was just wondering about your thoughts on investing in a winder versus building one. Thanks, Jed.
1: Cool. Jed is the best name. That's, That's a great name. That is a good name. Jed. Uh... Well you can go either way, Jed. If you're if you happen to be a rich man you can just buy one. Um Stuart McDonald sells one. I think you can also get one through Mojotone. Mojotone.com. dot com. But they tend to be several hundred dollars. And uh frankly, I would recommend building one. That's what I've done. I built my own. You you can find a small electric motor uh in all kinds of places i like to search thrift stores for parts for to build things like this old sewing machines have little motors that are great for pickup winders uh you can make your own counter to count the turns by using something called a reed switch and a and a magnet you put the magnet on uh you know i've got a disk mounted on the on the shaft of my pickup winder. And as the magnet passes the reed switch, it forces the reed switch to close and makes a connection, and it sends a pulse to my counter, which turns the counter. So, uh, yeah, you can make your own pickup winder. If you want to really get carried away and build a very involved uh, pickup winder, check out Jason Lawler's book about Winding pickups and about uh, building a pickup winder. I think he sells it on his website.
2: I didn't realize he wrote a book.
1: Yeah, I've got it at work. I don't think you've seen it. Um, Is it new? It's, no, it's old. He—that's uh, kind of how he broke into. Kind of how he broke into the uh, scene hmm. was by uh, writing that book when i i interviewed him you know i think it was the yeah. third or fourth podcast i interviewed jason lawler so you can go back and listen to that podcast uh because it's a really an interesting uh interview and he talks about the book that he wrote and um he sell he he does still sell that through his website uh if you go to lawlerpickups.com i think it's lawlerpickups.com l o l l a r it might be Lawlerguitars.com, I'm not sure. Or it might be just Lawler.com. dot com. I don't know, you'll have to check it out. But if you just search for Jason Lawler in a in a search engine, you'll find his website and he does sell his book there. Um you might be able to find a used copy somewhere, I don't know. But he said that the reason he started selling it again was that it was be it was being bootlegged. He had he had discontinued it and then people were bootlegging it and selling it for ten times what he originally sold it for. Uh, but it is jam-packed, full of information, very extensive plans about how to build your own pickup winder. Uh, I've read it, and I I thought about building the winder that he describes in there, but I just came up with a much simpler plan. And uh, maybe someday I'll attempt something more like what he's got in there. Um, the, the reason I went with the one that I built is that... Um, I just feed, <clears throat> I just feed my uh, my magnet wire onto the pickup directly by hand, and I've got a couple of guides set for the parameter of the bobbin, and then I move my hand back and forth between the two guides, and then that puts the wire on the bobbin. So it's completely hand fed, and the pickup winder that he describes in his book, um, I believe. The, there's a capstan, or there's a, uh, there's a, uh, I don't know what to call it. Anyway, uh, the the thing, it moves back and forth, so, so you don't have to move, you know, you don't have to feed the wire on by hand back and forth. It actually is a fully automated pickup winding device, and it's a really interesting book. Regardless of whether or not you build his pickup winder described in that book, it's full of really, really, really useful information diagrams of bobbins descriptions of winding direction of all kinds of different pickups and descriptions of all, all different kinds of, and, and brands of pickups and how to rewind them and repair them and replicate them. So it's a great resource. I I would really highly recommend checking out his book.
2: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Jed. Hey, Eric and Melissa love the podcast. Just found you guys and binged on all the episodes I could get. I have a two part question. You know,
1: uh, I hear people say that sometimes I don't like they couldn't get all of them. If you want to get all the episodes they're there on on com or ufo com. I think iTunes only lists our last 10 or so episodes. Yeah. So if you're going through iTunes or Stitcher or Beyond Pod or some kind of a podcatcher like that uh
2: you sound like you know what you're talking about.
1: Only cuz I listen to a lot of podcasts. Lately, um, <clears throat> the the way to find our back episodes that you haven't listened to is to go to fretfiles.com. They're all there, all the way back to number one. Anyway, go ahead with the question.
2: I have a two-part question. I recently started playing on a Washburn acoustic electric and consider myself pretty handy, so I wanted to pick up a project guitar to make my own. I ended up finding a Mexican Stratocaster that needs a few things. The pickguard is warped, and the pickups almost touch the strings. What can cause the pickguard to warp? I want to strip the black finish and repaint or even try a cool purple burst. Is it better to sand the finish off, or can I use a chemical stripper? I couldn't find on the internet how to determine what year this Mexican Stratocaster is or what kind of wood the body is made out of. Keep up the good work. Cool Mitch from Syracuse, Utah. Right on, Mitch. Cool as in quotation marks.
1: Yeah. Cool Mitch. Cool Mitch. Um, what can cause the pit guard to warp, he says. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is heat. That that can definitely do it. It's just plastic, and it can. if it gets hot, it will warp. Um, I wonder if it's a single-ply pit guard or a... Three-ply pit guard. He doesn't really say, does he? Uh, the other thing that can make him warp is just kind of uh, shoddy and improper installation, you know? If, if the holes aren't drilled quite right, then the screws go in kind of ski-wampus and, yeah. and pull on everything, and then you end up with a bit of a warp in it. I don't know how bad it is. If it's very badly warped, I would guess that it probably got hot and melted a little bit and warped. He also asks... Is it better to sand the finish off or use a chemical stripper? Um Either way is pretty nasty. Not fun. Not fun. You can do either one. If you're going to sand it off, I would highly recommend using a, uh, a little hand sander. If you're going to sand that off by hand using sandpaper and a block, then... You're going to end up with Popeye arms by the time you're done with it, because it, it'll take you three years to sand through that crap. It's probably a polyurethane finish, and it's a thick finish on those, on those guitars, So, and it's tough, too. So sanding through all that by hand is really not an option. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, any chemical that's going to take that polyurethane off is going to be a real nasty chemical, too real hmm. nasty they they're out there they do make them they do sell them um oh i wish i could remember the name of that uh chemical paint stripper it's called like airplane stripper or something crazy like that why is it called airplane stripper maybe i can do a quick google search melissa just went and checked on our son and now he's crying like what was his deal
2: uh he Wanted his stars back on. He's got some light-up stars that he likes to go to oh, sleep his, to.
1: Oh, his stars were His stars yeah. turned off. I just did a quick Google search. I don't see it. I, I don't know what it's called,
2: man. Uh,
1: that crazy paint stripper. It's called, like...
2: Did you just Google stripper? Because that, that's not going to bring up what you think it is. I think
1: is. it's called air... Yeah, no. Stripper. Uh, Aircraft paint remover? I think that's what it's called, yeah, clean strip, aircraft paint remover, oh my God, is it toxic um so if you want cancer <laughs> you, you could use that paint remover. I'm telling you it really is a nasty way to go. Uh, I appreciate your question, Mitch, but really, the way to go if you want if you want to paint a guitar. Would be to buy a blank, buy by a body, buy an unfinished body, because getting the paint off of that Mexican Stratocaster is going to be such a pain in the neck, dude. I'm in a sweat just thinking about it, and I do this for a living, so that's just a that's just a word of advice for you there. Anyhow, thank you so much for the question, Mitch. Next.
2: Hey, Eric and Melissa. Melissa, what is it like living with a luthier? Is sawdust just covering every inch, every square inch of your home by now?
1: I'm I'm not a Lutheran, by the way.
2: Right. Did I say Lutheran?
1: No, I'm just. It's a joke. Oh. Luthier is such a weird word. I don't understand it. I don't. It's so luthier means w- someone who makes lutes. Though
2: well, that's not what you do.
1: No, I don't even. I don't even own a lute. I have never even played a lute.
2: I've never even seen a
1: lute. I've seen them, but you
2: know. Oh. Uh, alas. Yeah, yeah. Eric, what's the most important machine that an amateur luthier should invest in first? Do you build tellies with a humbucker in the neck? I think there's more tonal variety with a telly bridge pickup and a neck humbucker. Thoughts? Thanks, Jonathan. In Victoria, Canada. Um.
1: Hey, you got a question.
2: I did. I'm excited to answer it.
1: What's it like living with a lutheran?
2: Uh, well... There are guitars in every room
1: Yeah that's true
2: And um, once This is a funny story We have a very small bathroom Like I'm talking Like you can't fit more than one person in their bathroom It's tiny And one time I kid you not I went in there and there was a guitar on the toilet (laughs) Like (laughs) Like it was just My harmony
1: acoustic Yeah Sorry
2: And Eric must have been playing it in there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For one reason well, or another. You know, and interestingly
1: then, enough, a toilet makes a pretty good guitar stand. <laughs> I mean, it sits in there just perfectly.
2: Well, uh, there's not sawdust everywhere because fortunately he keeps all of his sanding and whatnot confined to the shop area. Yeah. Although I do share this shop space as well, so I do sometimes find a fine coating of dust on my workbench. Sorry about it. That's okay. Okay. Did I answer my question? Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: What's the most important machine that an amateur luthier should invest in first? Well, if you don't already have one, I would say a belt sander. Combination disc sander would be the thing to invest in. Um, Shaping nuts and saddles. Shaping all kinds of Wood parts, bridges, uh, shaping, cleats, for crack repair. A belt sander, a disc sander, makes all of that stuff much easier and go much faster. If you're if you're if you're shaping a nut or a saddle and doing it all by hand, that's an all day event, man. You got to pack a lunch doing that. Hmm. So, but a disc sander and a belt sander combination. Disc belt sander really cuts the time way down. So that's the thing to have. If you don't have anything and you're just starting out, and that's what his question was, that would be my first, the, my first recommendation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Thanks, Jonathan.
2: No. Do you build tellies with a humbucker in the neck?
1: Oh, he had another question. More than one. Do you build tellies with humbuckers in the neck? I have before... Uh, by special request, but it's not something that I typically do. I'm not a huge fan of of humbuckers, so it's not something that I typically do. <clears throat> Although the traditional Tele neck pickup does drive me a bit crazy. If you're a long-time listener to the podcast, you know that. So I like to use uh a slightly different variation on my neck pickups. And instead of the chromed brass pickup cover on that pickup, I use an unplated nickel one, and uh, it really brightens them up. Cool. Yeah, but I don't do the closest thing I come to a humbucker is I'll do a five-way switch sometimes, where one of the positions is series, um, and which is which is how a humbucker is made, you know, two two single coil pickups in series. And so it it's a lot like a humbucker. Sure. Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. Thanks, Jonathan. Often on the podcast, you have recommended GoTo Hardware. On their Telebridge, it has their maker name, but the bridges on your guitars do not. I would like to use a bridge that does not have a maker name. What do you suggest? Thank you, Dan.
1: Right on. Thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, you know... I don't. Yeah, Goto makes great stuff, but that does drive me crazy too. Um, to have that, uh, to have that uh, logo right on the bridge. I don't even like it when they say Fender. I, I, I want a blank. I want a blank Telecaster bridge if I'm making a Telecaster. And All Parts happens to sell one. It is the. Uh, I thought I knew the part number. Hold on just a moment. All Parts carries a great one. It's a it's called the TB5120. TB5120. And uh I I think that it's made by Goto for All Parts, but they leave their brand off of it, which is nice. So it doesn't say anything, but it's a traditional um it's a traditional uh telecaster style bridge with the three brass saddles. And uh, it doesn't say a darn thing on there, and it's nickel, which I appreciate, or they have it in nickel. TB5120001 is nickel. 001 means nickel in all parts land. Um, I think they also sell it in chrome and gold, but uh, yeah, that's the one I like. TB5120 through all parts.
2: Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Hey, Eric and Melissa, time to pit your expertise and superior knowledge against a Guitar Center scammer whom I talked to today. Guitar Center Bozo says I have to buy the $40 pickguard that they stock because if I buy a cheaper pickguard online, it will make my Strat sound like a Hello Kitty toy guitar. (laughs) Will pickguard material or cost have a big effect on my guitar? Can I cut a pickguard out of any non-metallic material?
1: Interesting question. Yeah, you know... Um that your your buddy there at guitar center does not know what he's talking about, so different plastic pit guards won't make any difference in tone, none uh just zero, but metal pit guards will make a difference, so uh and and I didn't think that they would, but i've I've experimented with it the like the aluminum gold anodized pit guards that that you see sometimes those do make a difference. They they sound a little bit different. I don't know why. I well, the theory is that it's um. It affects the magnetic field of the pickups. Even though aluminum is non ferrous, it does uh, somehow affect it, and it's called paramagnetism. Yeah.
2: Do-do-do-do. Yeah,
1: but th- just your standard run of the mill vinyl or plastic three ply or single ply pick guard, whatever. It doesn't make any difference on tone, and Guitar Center dude was just using a sales pitch on you, or he doesn't know what he's talking about. So, or both. both or, neither. Have, or neither. Or <laughs> neither, yeah. But he says, can I cut a pit guard out of any non-metallic material? Well, I suppose, but that's a pretty broad... Any non-metallic material? So, that could include things like bread. <laughs> And, you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what what else. Could, <laughs> I mean, any non-metallic material is a pretty broad category. So, yeah, try to stick to things that won't mold or rot. <laughs> but, yeah, you could use plastic, you know, any plastic. I've seen, I've actually seen people that had cut a pit guard out of, uh, you know, the the cat litter bucket? You buy a bulk wow. bucket full of cat litter.
2: Why even bother with the pit guard at that point? Well,
1: I saw somebody who cut the pit guard out of the side of the bucket and left the cat litter sticker on. I don't know. I guess it was, he thought it was real punk rock. I don't know. But anyway, but yeah, you can cut a pit guard out of anything, but I don't know. The... I would say the sky is not the limit. The limit is way down further than the sky.
2: Nothing perishable.
1: Let's keep it, let's keep it, uh, yeah. Let's keep it to, uh, reality. Let's keep it down to reality. That's it for the questions. Sweet. Yeah, great questions this month. Um, I dearly want to thank my wife for helping me host this podcast, without whom I would have quit doing it a long time ago. You're welcome. I want to thank Michael Van Deven over at UFOship dot com who graciously posts this podcast to the internet via his website UFOship dot com, which is a great uh, a podcast network. There's some crazy podcasts on there, varying from football podcasts to paranormal podcasts, and what the, else?
2: Broad range.
1: It is a broad range. I also want to thank Emerald City Guitars, the sponsor. Our sponsor. Our single sponsor. Our only sponsor.
2: I would consider Pinup and Malco both sponsors. Well, I guess
1: so, but that's us, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we pay for the show, don't we?
1: Yeah, there's nothing to pay for.
2: I paid for that coffee table.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. So, anyway, anyway, thanks to you for listening. I really appreciate it. If you want to participate in the show, go to ericdaw.com, E R I C D A W.com. Click the contact link and submit your question there. While you're there, you could poke around, you could order some custom pickups, you could look at my nifty website. <laughs> you know, it's great. And uh, that's it. That's, that's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening, and we will uh, talk to you very soon. Thank you. See you later. You just had to get the last word, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got the last word.